0: I've been trying to figure out war ever since I was a little kid, lying awake at night, listening to taps, and worrying that my career officer dad would slip out during the night and ship off to war without even saying goodbye. Back then, I really wanted to know what war was all about so I could stop it. I still do. Evolution has carried us, or carried we human animals, to our current state by selecting for both our fighting and domination skills and our social cooperation skills. But it's becoming clearer now than ever that evolution has also created in Homo sapiens a species capable of being, doing, and becoming whatever we choose to be. Imagine anything. The bleak perspectives of techno pessimists notwithstanding, I choose to stand with the Terminator. No fate but what we make, particularly in this wonderful new communication and information age, so bounteously filled with miraculous scientific and technological opportunities. Yet you've probably noticed that along with humankind's great leaps in progress— there's still considerable contention out there in the world today. All those outraged, furious, hated, passionate, indignant, offended voices. I have a theory. You won't be surprised. I have a theory about all of that. Most of the bad blood, rancor, and polarization everywhere today stems from people feeling highly emotionally attached to one of two visions of the future. Keep things the same old ways or change for the better. The same good old ways, many of them. Both groups hold strongly to the rightness of their own perspectives and both are equally confident about the wrongness of the opposition. In fact, they, or I should say we, can become enraged when others don't share our worldview, our preferred future vision, our assumptions and perspectives about where we should go, and how, they should, how we should get there. They can feel attacked. We can feel attacked. As some of you know already, I grew up with a highly decorated, war-weary, career military officer father. He was kind of an old-school, deeply conscientious, but dominance-minded, traditional, elitist, a tough and tender drinking man whose fury could be instantly ignited by family behaviors he saw as defiant or noncompliant, that is, disrespectful to his male authority and dignity. My equally strong-minded mother, was of the opposite persuasion. She was a Christian-spirited, wholehearted idealist, a pioneering feminist, too, who clung just as fiercely to her own equity and justice vision of the ideal future. My mom was selfless and eager to please by nature. But she, too, could lose it completely when in the presence of angry aggression or bullying. For 40 years, these two otherwise brilliant, fabulous, loving folk quibbled and bickered and sparred and needled and argued and sometimes even screamed at each other about what? About who was right. About whose vision of the future most deserved to ultimately prevail. To win. Not merely in the whole wide world, but also in their marriage. By the way, neither of them ever budged a whit. Both died a bit resentful and lonely, but still sure of their rightness. My dad's version, a kind of establishment conservatism, did work historically fairly well for some folk, but only for as long as there were rich, vast, untouched virgin continents filled with resources to play with, Along with infinite supplies of enslaved and indigenous laborers, regrettably today 's restless masses feel powerless to thrive or even to survive. Many live and often die in squalor, right aside, right alongside. Obliviously privileged rich folk who keep on believing that everything will be fine if the revolting peasants would just work harder. Shut up and go back to the good old ways. Meanwhile, all the various partisans in power on both sides are now nervously shoring up their uncertain status and privileges, demagoguing voters, and manipulating local, national, and even global institutions. Politics, law, diplomacy, media, history, education, tradition, and, of course, business, finance, and the military— they also incessantly distract us with their continual political and military warfare. And while our attention is diverted, their wholly owned governments keep tightening the systemic screws that hold the riffraff down. Which brings me to my mother's justice-minded folks, the second group I mentioned earlier, which I personally explored in graduate school after a fairly lengthy youth on the other side. My, mother's, my mother was a discreet model army wife, but her private political leanings were all aligned with an equally incensed and outraged and equally fervent movement one that that hoped to flip my dad's vision so that all those formerly disenfranchised folk at the bottom of the old power structures, the women, the poor, small nations, racial, ethnic, and gender minorities, and migrants, too, they would become the new elite. Finally, get to kick some butt and take some names of their own. Both my mom's and my dad's crowds seemed equally open to achieving their ideological goals by whatever means necessary, regardless of how many prisons and thugs and guns and bloody revolutions and wars it might take. Historically speaking, violence has served mainly to shift power, resources, and privileges from one set of bloody hands to another. And thus, violence, at least to me, can't be said to have worked out very well. As Audre Lorde once said, the master's tools will never dismantle a master's house. Our human history of dominance, violence, and grotesque war has left us all confused, cynical, desperate, and violent. Consider how most of us currently resolve our personal and global conflicts nowadays Why we fight we fight over who's right who has the truth who has the facts whose perspective gets to win who gets to be the boss who gets to make the rules who gets to enjoy the privileges and who suffer the pains of domination and marginalization We fight in our families, in our games, in the movies, in politics, business, courts of law, universities, cities, and nations, on the internet, even among and within our churches. We fight over where to shop, what to eat. How to dress, even how to speak and express ourselves. We yell at each other, insult each other, demonize, judge, attack, blame, belittle, condemn, and endlessly divide ourselves further apart. Truly, humankind will always be challenged. By change, dissatisfaction, and conflict. But all this quixotic quarreling notwithstanding, I no longer believe that humankind was born to fight, that angry, violent struggles for survival and dominance are our only inevitable possibility or that human nature will forever be read in tooth and claw. My personal exemplars and teachers have also been the world's greatest teachers and change agents by far. Jesus, Gandhi, the Buddha, and the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., and along with many other contemporary nonviolent leaders and a wide world of social justice and common good fellow travelers, I'm learning to walk a gentler and, and more effective path to a fairer and kinder future. Many traditionalists today are also seeking such paths to understanding. And someday we'll all walk them together, sharing our experiences, asking each other our questions, and listening to the answers. Step by hopeful step, we are coming together in positive, peace-building, planetary dialogues, we're learning the necessary skills and knowledge to support one another wherever we are in the world. We're working together on tomorrow's toughest issues, issues in principled, win-win, collaborative, inclusive, unprejudiced, fair-minded ways. Together, we're learning to build a just, compassionate, shared future on our one small blue planet. Now, the task of lifting up the whole world into values, skills, habits, and attitudes necessary necessary to create a respectful, cooperative future is unlikely to be painless, easy, easy. Cheap or quick. But it may surprise us. A global spiritual paradigm shift is already moving along quite nicely on a path far less painful and toward a future far more desirable in every way for everyone, even for those who don't yet realize that a non-zero-sum future can work better for everyone. Memorial Days ought to be all about raising our planet's collective awareness of the futility, insanity, and inhumanity of any more stupid wars. Wars always pushed on us Hastily, on false pretexts of ensuring national security, prosperity, and stability. Don't believe everything you hear. Folks make big money on war. The selfless sacrifices of soldiers cannot ennoble, dignify, or justify politicians foolish decisions to spurn risky compromises in favor of riskier wars. On this Memorial Day, may we say to our world leaders, as one, the era of war is over. No more beautiful dead soldiers. We also honor those lost to war when we let go of our own personal adversarial attitudes and walk, instead, a more patient and friendly path. It's the only path worth traveling toward the only kind of future worth having and worth working for. Someday in our best-envisioned future— all our darling, dearly beloved youth, wherever they may dwell, will finally be allowed by us, their parents, their grandparents, all their leaders, all the leaders and governments in the world, not to be indoctrinated into violence, but instead to be free to choose Whatever future and dreams they wish, including a dream of staying home, to learn, live, love, and work hard, to build good lives, good families, good careers, and businesses, to live for and contribute to their neighbors and communities and countries, and to feel well-supported always in their everyday struggles. Maybe, just perhaps, our young people will even stay alive, maybe stick around long enough to once in a while look in on, maybe even look out for mom and dad, Grandma and Grandpa. During the next few minutes, let's meditate together about the free and beautiful future we want for our young people and about the free and beautiful paths we can take to make it so.